Welcome to the Glide Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ez Chandra, and on this episode, we're going to be talking about scaling with content with our guest, Jai Howard. Great to be Jai, here. welcome. Thank you. Awesome to have you here, mate. Thanks for coming on board and doing this podcast. So what I usually do is a bit of an intro on the guest, and I've got a bit of a blurb here that you've supplied, so I'll just read it out. So Jai launched um, Brand Booster two and a half years ago after starting and failing many businesses along the way, as you usually do, dating back to about the age of 16. So you started pretty young, mate, in the entrepreneurial journey. Um, From sharing a bedroom office with his brother to growing Instagram accounts um, to over half a million followers, uh, to living in his van as a content creator, Jai is now operating a seven-figure creative agency called Brand Booster and partnered to soon be a a seven-figure e-commerce business called Naming This Later, which I'm sure we'll hear more about. Um, Jai devotes most of his recent years to living curiously, becoming a better version of himself every day and working on things that excite him, namely content and e-commerce are definitely those two, two of those things. So... Awesome to have you here, Jai. Yeah, um, thanks for coming. Um, so we're going to get cracking with the with the episode um, with a question, which is really around Jai's journey. So um, obviously, you started off as like an influencer. Is it? So maybe if you can start off there, and maybe tell us your journey and how that evolved into Brand Booster. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a bit of a journey on the biz side, but if I just sort of jump forwards to when. I got into the uh, the content stuff that would have been sort of 2017 and uh, my family lived on the Cocos Islands. So uh, it was a pretty prime opportunity to pick up a camera wow. and, yeah, and nice. take some photos and videos. So, uh, you know, mucked around with the old YouTube thing back in the day. And, and at the time I was growing Instagram accounts for other people and I guess applying some of the techniques for myself. Um, yeah, I don't know if I consider myself an influencer per se, but more of a, just a, a creator and a, a Content creator. Yeah, yeah. And, and um just wanted to document my journey along the way and and obviously with the you know the Cocos Islands as your environment and surroundings that just was just really easy to kind of create awesome content yeah I mean it's hard to take a a bad photo there (laughs) um, that worked in my favor and yeah so I sort of spent um, 10 uh, nearly a year there yeah um, but I'd also spent four or five years as a kid there Um, and then I spread the wings a little bit and and went on a, a journey into like like you mentioned I lived in a van for a bit. I lived in Bali for, for six months and worked with a digital marketer over there. And that sort of led me, I guess, down the path of going from content and, and freelancing on the content side, particularly videography was mm. kind of my gig, mm. and then moved more into just marketing and e-commerce and um, agency life at the time. I actually um, started to, I tried to start a, a Facebook ad agency and spent, yeah. yeah, I spent... Uh, many uh, hundreds of hours you know sitting at my desk from 5 a.m to 5 p.m in the in the, my brother's bedroom like i said and um saw very little return from that I, I i've told this story before but i had 30 40 calls lined up you know over a few months and i didn't close one of them and um but i guess the thing that drove me was knowing that i was onto something and mm. i knew there was potential there in the social media space in the advertising space um and something would stick eventually. And, and I started to get a little bit of traction. I was running ads for a couple of brands, but um, I guess I got to a point where I sat back and really asked myself, first of all, what am I really good at? And then secondly, what I really want to be doing. Mm. And it kind where of- Where your strengths are. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, from the travels I'd had, I asked myself out of all the content I've done, which did I enjoy the most? And it was always those 
more lifestyle brands, e-commerce brands where I could go and travel and, mm. and build a story and experience around it. And so, um, yes, yeah, sort of combined the two principles where I now understood the, the uh, advertising side of things and what it takes to create a converting piece of content as opposed to just a nice cinematic mm. piece of content. Um, and obviously the content side. So Combine Those Brand Booster was born 2019, sort of late 2019. Mm. And um, it's just grown pretty rapidly since then. Obviously, e-commerce has had a bit of an uptrend in the last couple of years. So um, now we're a team of 12 or 13 out in North Fremantle. Awesome. We've got a little yeah. studio. And, uh, yeah, it's been amazing seeing your mm. growth, mate. And um, you know, congrats on everything oh, you've achieved you. to date. Um, but it's going to be exciting to see just in five years where you'll Yeah, where be, I mean, so. it's, it'll be exciting to see what the whole landscape even looks like in five years, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and that, I mean, I guess like when a lot of people start off in the creative industry, um, you know, they kind of like go into, you know, branding and strategy and they kind of work for like different clients, like maybe local clients, maybe more brand focused. Yeah. But I guess your uh, trajectory has kind of gone down that e-commerce path and working with products, possibly not like world-famous ones, yep. but ones that like are still really hot online. Yep. Um, where do you think like that you, your point of difference is that sort of attracts you to those sort of companies? Mm. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, yeah. it does. It, it's funny you mentioned that because back then, you know, I probably had a perception that um, I didn't know how branding agencies and strategists were able to charge for work because yeah. for me it was like, it was like the thing in my mind that you needed was content and then a way to apply that content and grow. Um, so you almost needed the actual tangible application of it rather than the strategy behind it. I didn't understand so it's like the, the content first yeah, type strategy. That was yeah. sort of, yeah, I guess yeah. how I looked at it. And so um, I've, we've always been down that route, you know, and now we are um, obviously an agency in the marketing space and growth, uh, growth focus, but we are just purely content. So mm. uh, that does really sort of um, help us stand out in the market because we just do creative for direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands um, who are wanting to, to scale and grow, usually through social media. So Facebook and Instagram ads being one. Uh, TikTok is another big platform, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about today as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so our, our entire model is is really around the creative, but we are um, also data-driven. So we're in ad accounts and we're actually looking at what the metrics mm. are telling us and making decisions based on that, not just you know, subjective decisions on, on what the content looks like. Oh, this looks nice, this doesn't. Because um, that doesn't, to us anyway, it doesn't show the value of the work. The value is really in the result it can produce. Yeah, 100%. Um, so. Yeah. Um, and we'll go more into like, you know, like the results-driven formula that you, you've got in the model, which yeah. I really like, which, you know, a lot of content agencies I feel need to work towards. Yeah. Um, so I think you're definitely kicking goals in that space. Um could you tell us a little bit about like um, your your philosophy around, I guess, business and like working to your strengths? Because obviously, you you are of a younger age and you've kind of like worked on these things quite early, versus mm. like giving your time self time and mm. then discovering things along the way mm. by making mistakes and so mm. forth. Um, I guess you're a bit more intuitive and a bit more in tune with your like core values, right? Mm -hmm. So could you just explain a little bit about that yeah, growth, yeah. that growth mindset yep. that you have? Yeah, yeah, um, something that really has driven me for a long time. And I probably need a, to nod in the direction of my parents um, from sort of 14, 15 years old. My parents are both teachers, and um, mm. but always had a, you know, wanting to pursue other things as well and, and build something differently. So they dabbled in all sorts of stuff: websites, network marketing. Um, 
you know, all, all sorts of different ventures on the side and really encouraged us as kids to get out there and try some of those things. And at the time, you know, we kids were like, oh, I don't want to do any of that. I don't have a reason to, you know, make any money necessarily. Um, and so, but it's only been in recent years that I've realized how much of an impact that had. Um, for so me. they were quite encouraging. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, no, like in terms of whatever interests you had, they were like fully supportive. Yeah, I guess there was an element of um, like they look at their careers and potentially wanted something different for us. So you know, university wasn't necessarily the be all and end all. Did um, were they? So they weren't necessarily pushing on education and like they, they getting were, to uni, you know, that sort of a thing. Yeah, so they they were always. For us, it was more about the discipline and, you know, if we were going to do ATAR in school, it was to be the best at, at what we can be and prove that we can stick something out, not so much to then be able to get accepted and go to uni. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, like, we're Basically, encouraged. give it your best. Yeah. So you have options, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, that. As yeah. long as you've got the options there, you can choose whether you want to be a vet or whether yeah. you want to go and do photography or whatever. Yeah. But as long as you give yourself that, yeah. that spectrum of choice. So that's and, a, I really like that. That's yeah, and that was it for them and, you know, mm. I grew up, not a lot of people know this, but um, six siblings, so quite a mm. big family and uh, for most of our life on one income, my dad's side. So, um, you know, we didn't necessarily have a lot of resources growing up, but we always had those experiences and that support, I guess, mm. was really powerful. So to long-winded answer to sort of um, come back to the value side of things, I think that really set us up or myself up um, to really value learning and growth um, and almost just showing up every day and being better than you were yesterday. Um, and that's flowed into into many things. I, I had a, a funny story when I was, I must have been 12 or 13, and we lived on a farm down south, um, like a little valley, and my grandparents uh, came and stayed with us for a bit, and I remember we drive down this road into the town. Uh, it's about 10, 15 minutes, and we drive it every day to school, and you know, we're so used to it, we just didn't pay attention and, you know, to where we're driving. Um, and I was in the back seat, and my granddad turns to me, and he goes, as we're driving, he says, how many cows were in that paddock that we just passed? I, I was like, I have no idea how many cows were in that, that paddock. And so I said, I, I don't know. And, and he goes, you need to be more observant. And he just, nothing after that. And I was just sitting there being like, oh, that was a bit random, but all right, thanks, granddad. <laughs> and, uh, and it's funny because I look back on that moment now and I think it was actually a really pivotal moment because since that point I've had a, um, a much different sense of being observant being curious and re recognizing what's around you, you, you had a different outlook in life yeah and, and that's yeah. honestly held through to uh, we might speak about it but the first client that we brought on board uh, when brand booster came about yeah, yeah. that was purely a case of me being um so observant and determined determined yeah. to find the right contact and get in touch and, and that sort of thing so yeah, yeah. um that's a huge part of my values and, and yeah, the right. growth side no, that's cool i think you're also a bit of a special case, uh, Joe, I must say. Maybe, yeah. Um, I don't know. I've got a son and I've told him to be observant many times and he's just, yeah, it's not sticking. Maybe, so. maybe you're going to do it in a different way. You're going to count the cows. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's not old enough yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So we'll go on to the next point, which is like um, like what you do best, which is like like 100% creative but for e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about how important that is in terms of a key to growing your mm. brand, like online? Mm. Um, yeah, and just talk about how content drives mm. results and stuff mm. like that. Yeah, I think the biggest biggest thing for me is that content is everywhere you look. The face of a brand, their social media, mm. their website, their um, everything is effectively content. So 
um, it really does play a huge part in in um, your advertising, in mm. your interactions, in how your brand is perceived. And, and do you think sometimes it's it's a bit of an afterthought? It's like, oh, oh we've, we've got our website. Oh, we've got our ads. Yeah. Oh, what what are we going to do with our content? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, and and reality is you usually you can scrape through you can put something a website together you can get a couple of product photos mm. and start running ads technically but um, you're also kind of shooting yourself in the foot because you're not giving the best chance possible you're not testing you could be getting a, a two times return on ad spend when if you test enough you could be getting a four times you know and it's not always that linear you, you don't just suddenly double results mm. getting better content but um, I've got a few examples we can we can touch on yep. as well but uh, for the most part for us it's it's really about being uh, let the data do the talking. So, you know, we could have the best idea in the world, but until you actually test it, put it in front of people, the market, yeah. and see what, how they respond to it, it's really, it doesn't have any merit until you can do that. So, um, yeah. let the data do the talking. And and the other thing is that, like, if you're creating content for scaling or mm. you're, scale, you know, you're scaling businesses with the content that you're using, um, you're going to be a bit, bit more data-driven, like you said, but how do you sort of keep that balance between, um, you know, the cost of production yep. and like scaling? Because I guess that's what a lot of other agencies also struggle with is like there's a lot of work that goes yep. into producing content. Yeah. Um, but then you don't want it to be so expensive that, you know, as you're testing and you need, testing, yeah, yep. you need to get the return on investment. So how do you keep that balance? Yeah. yeah. Great question. This is something we get a lot as well um, and I think in some cases there's a misconception that uh, I guess like some other creative agencies or, or mm. companies, production companies might do like one hero video um, but the reality is if you run that video uh, and it doesn't get the result, you're kind of back to square one, you've invested money and you don't have mm. the result. So we've since the start we've always, we'll never do a one or, or two videos, we'd always do three, four, five, six. Um, uh, as a starting point and that might they might all be shot during the same day but you know different concepts Got or it. angles or yeah um, so, so it's like micro concepts and micro videos yeah yeah and then depending on what those videos how they perform you lean into the you lean in yeah. more throw more resources and investment yeah yeah, yeah. Got it. and yeah. then there's also an element as well where you you're able to test it and then analyze the data and make changes on that content as well mm. so you're looking at things like the, if we're talking video the thumb stop ratio uh you know the average watch time the click-through rate that the videos are getting and there's always ways you can improve each of those things um, and change yeah. videos and like do you find that the videos um that you're producing they're often like uh, vary in lengths and um, in terms of like how much production value is in it. Like for instance, like if you look at a typical television commercial or even a brand that creates yeah. a really nice video, yeah. there's a lot of energy that goes into that. Yeah. Whereas, do you find that like with what you're doing now, um, it's you're not you're not having to with the with the mobile, I guess you're not having to like have amazing production. You can yeah. get get away with a bit more streamline yeah 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 oh totally you know we've seen a huge rise in ugc or mm. more natural yeah that's right yep. video reviews and um we there's a place for both um no doubt you know I, I know a lot of brands who build a lot more high production on the front end to sort of put their brand in front of people and mm. then start to build out retargeting flows and and ugc can also be used to cold traffic too but um for the most part the we try to incorporate both into a strategy. You know, think think realistically about the market and what's going to get the best result for the brand. So, if that's a, a ten second video, 
great. You know, we go that we're outcome focused. Um, yeah. But it is it is a hard one because you know the uh, some brands in the back of their mind that they're, they're probably analyzing. Okay, we're paying X amount. That's X amount per video. We've just paid thousand bucks for this ten second clip. You know, but. In actual fact, it's actually if they are data first and performance focused, it's a better outcome because that 10 second video is going to get them a better result. Um, that's not always the case, but typically that's how we look at it. So it is a it is a funny one because there is a value associated. You do have fixed costs with models and locations and production. Um, the other yeah. the other element to look at it is like, you know, do you spend seven thousand bucks on one video, or do you spend seven thousand dollars and create seven videos? Mm. But the seven videos will allow you, if you look at the data, to work out what's going to work quicker. Yeah. But it'll get you to your success quicker. Yeah. Whereas that one video won't. Yeah. It's very hit and miss. Do you know what I mean? So, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's just, um, uh, I guess, being diversifying risk a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, giving exactly, yourself yeah. a better chance. Yeah. yeah. So. No, that's cool. And like often... Um, you know, because we're a paid media agency, mm-hmm. so we work with um, brands that have content. Sometimes they lack content, yeah. right? So sometimes there's a bit of work in convincing the customer that they need to produce content at scale. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes they just want to keep repurposing yeah. the same material. So how do you, I guess, how do you cre- create that conversation yeah. where they have a bit of confidence? Yeah. Yeah. In doing that we have a bit of an easier job than you probably do because <laughs> they're usually coming to us when they've realized they <laughs> they do need the content yeah. um whereas you know naturally if they don't understand how paid media works yeah. um they just can't understand that as you spend more results usually dip so you need more content to fuel it um you know they might think you're just um you're telling them what they want to hear but it, you know it is a, a real thing so Mm. Um, we are fortunate in that sense, but if if someone was kind of on the fence and didn't understand the scope, um, I, I guess the best thing you can do is just show um, other cases where it has really made the, the biggest difference. And yeah. um, I guess I do have an advantage as well, uh, being involved with naming this later yes. on the e-commerce side. You know, I, I, I am a, a founder in a brand, and, and I am able to. Um, ultimately understand the same thing the same problems that brand owners have when we're doing content for name this later i'm thinking what do i actually want with this i don't want one video i barely even want six videos i want i want 10 videos with three variations of each you know and and so using that to inform also how we work on the agency side because um you know i can sort of answer some of the brand founder questions as well does that make yeah no that makes total sense and i i actually I'm very fascinated mm. with um, brand, like actual brand and e-com owners as well. Mm. Like I love talking with them, mm. um, understanding what their like concerns are and challenges because that kind of gets you really knee deep into what the issues are mm. so that you can make your service better, which is ultimately yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so going into uh, like brands that are like growth focused versus like image focused, um, do you kind of like battle with that a little bit where they have expectations that are set um, where, you know, maybe they have an in-house team that manages the brand mm-hmm. and then you're, and then they're kind of giving it to you, you know what I mean? And then you have to sort of take over. Mm-hmm. There's, there must be a little bit of a, a battle there. Yeah. Sometimes. It's funny. Yeah. It's, it's the brands that, to be honest, the projects that maybe don't go 
exactly how they should. It's almost always because the brand is too involved, <laughs> and it's hard. Or one the founders too involved. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. founder. Yes, yeah, the the team behind yeah. it is too involved. And it's actually the same for us as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's the same for us. And I yeah. think the reason for it is because then it becomes more opinion based. It becomes yeah. they they have this vision in their head for what they want, mm-hmm. and we create based on our vision. And if those aren't truly aligned, there's a clash. Whereas if they're coming to us trusting in our expertise, they don't necessarily know what the outcome is going to look like, but trust in the in the outcome being there, then there's less of that um, wanting to change things, disappointed with the look of the content, that sort of thing. Um, and it's funny, it's usually the slightly bigger brands that maybe have a little team or a little bit more focused on the brand um, face and name and, and colors and fonts and things um, yeah, yeah. tend to be a little bit but just need more communication. Um, we're still up for the challenge. Um, mm. and, and, you know, there's also times where we need to stick to our guns and say, hey, but we, we tried this before, you know, and mm. based on our experience, we'd really me- recommend kind of shifting mm. this way. Um, I think our challenges are very similar because yeah. um, even though you're doing content, when you're creating ads, there's also content in there as well. There's like, you know, static graphics or yep. canvas ads and animation ads. Yep. There's also like copywriting. Um and a lot of the times, yeah, you do get some certain founders that are really involved in the copywriting. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I, I've seen that. Yeah. Um, and it could be just like the smallest thing, and yep. um, but they always want to sort of get quite involved in it. But so yeah, like you said, there's a bit of a balance yep. um, in and trust, yep. and sort of saying, hey, look, these guys, they're kind of like taking an outside perspective. Let's just see what they can mm-hmm. do, um, and then take a bit of a step mm-hmm. back. Yeah, and so, a lot of that you can typically determined from the first call right you know Mm. even ask them say hey what is your goal coming out of this call like what do you actually want to be achieving if for them if it's hey we want our time back we want to be hands off yeah that's kind of music to the ears but on on the flip side if they're like hey we just want to be looked after we want fresh ideas that seems to be a big thing brands like we have a couple of brands who have proper in-house teams they produce content regularly but But they get stuck in their own ways yeah Yeah, Yeah. they get stuck in, in what they're doing so they sort of come to us um, to pump more content in, they'll even repurpose it themselves. But they hence, just need fresh hence stuff. the name Brand Booster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, okay, so um, could you give us a bit of a, a typical rundown? Like, if I was a business and I'm looking to produce content at scale and grow. Yep. Um, like, I think you have like a bit of a, a plan that you yep. set out, like a monthly plan or whatever. Could you kind of explain how that looks and what you actually produce? Yeah. For them? Totally, yeah. yeah. So we kind of sit on either the ag creative mm. only side or playing more into organic socials as well. So, I mean, that comes into like... Like repurposing material? Um, so repurposing would usually also happen on the ag creative side. It's kind of a crossover between the two, but on the organic, a big focus is TikTok for us. So TikTok organic, just because yeah. of the nature of TikTok and how much organic reach there is, and, mm-hmm. and we can touch on that. Um, but... Yeah, to your point, there's often TikTok style videos that you can also run in Facebook ads that also perform really well just because of the nature of the organic kind of authentic piece of content. So there is a bit of crossover, but um, typically when looking at a brand, we'd probably start with their product because on TikTok, you know, there's average order values more around the $50 mark. There's a few key things that um, can really be advantageous mm. on that platform mm. um, but ad credits is also a big part of it too depends how they want to scale some people want to diversify from running Facebook ads and relying on Facebook ads um, mm. so that's yeah, what like they go to other channels yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. for the most part we would kick off on the ad creative side um, and we'd be producing something like 
four or five videos with a couple of variations of each in that first kind of 30 days. Okay. Um, and then we want them to test it. How many variations actually, of each video? Um, two or three usually. Yeah. Uh, depends. So there know. could be up to 10 to 15 videos. Yeah. Yeah, um, and variations don't have to be hugely different. It could be switching out hooks or angles. It could be um, you know, changing the copy, rearranging copy yeah. and clips. Yeah, yeah. Um, just for split testing purposes, um, because we're finding for the most part the first few seconds almost makes or breaks the video. Mm. You know, and, and mm. I can give some examples. Um, but yeah, so we'll start there, and then we'll actually. Once it's been tested, we can see the data in the ad account. We'll actually reiterate on that content as well, um, mm. particularly the videos, so so that we can again look at all the metrics, <coughs> improve certain parts, and and get an even better outcome. Um, so that's the ad creative side. And then on TikTok, it's just a totally different game. It's more about um, throwing shit at the fan and see what sticks. But um, there's definitely a lot of strategy that goes into it. Um, Percy, I spent quite a bit of time on on the platform, and you know we kicked off the uh, the brand booster account. About three weeks ago, we've just introduced TikTok as, as a service this year um, after a few people asking about it and the Brand Booster account, you know, our, our second video that we posted is just about to tick over 6 million views. Yeah, and, wow. you know, On the Brand Booster on account. On the Brand Booster wow. account. And you can see, you know, that's... Is that of, a Cocos Island? Uh, no, it's not. No, it's, it's in the studio. But we do have one of those little office booths in the studio and people seem to love that. So Yeah, it's very um, trend, on trend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, you know, like that video, for example... To get six million uh, eyes on your content mm. for free, mm. there's not many platforms in the world that you can do that now. You know, Instagram back in the day. Oh um, man, it's crazy. You know, yeah. maybe you could get that sort of thing. And I've, I'm noticing like you'll put even just an average video is like ten thousand views, mm. and then you'll just jump straight up to like half a million mm. in in your next video, just yeah, depending can, on what the video is. Right, yeah. it's so dependent on the content. It, yeah. Content is king on yeah. TikTok, oh, and it has to yeah. be so native to the platform. It can't be. A video you made for a Facebook ad, just jumping, uh, throwing that on TikTok won't work. So whereas, like with yeah. Facebook, I noticed that it was very engagement focused. So people would just naturally stop, mm-hmm. depending on how many likes mm. and shares and comments mm. that particular post had. Whereas with TikTok, it's not about that. Mm. It's about like the content itself. Uh, like, like, are you consumed by yeah. it? Are you because that's the first it? thing you see as yeah. soon as you swipe up or whatever. Yeah. You, the first thing you see yeah. is the is the piece of content. You don't you don't you're not drawn to like how many views naturally right. it's got. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, as it's coming. Through I mean, feed, views. Yeah. No, some people might look at the likes to see if you know if it's got. If like they're two on likes. someone's feed, if they're yeah. sort of looking at the tile yeah. view, you can see all the views and stuff. Views yeah, and true. Stuff. But true. if you're like just in that sort of where you're just scrolling the yeah. for you page, yeah. So um, it's it's just so content dependent, and mm. you know. You can have one video, like you say, with 10,000 views or, or 1,000 views and one video with mm. a million. Um, and that's what we love about the platform. You know, it mm. does, it's not an overnight success thing. I'm not suggesting that you can go and get 6 million views in your second video, but we probably did luck out to some respect. But, mm. um, you know, it is it is a science at the end of the day. And if you consume enough content with intent on the platform on TikTok. Yeah, it um, does work. Like, I mean, I, I think I saw your account and you had one video where you were running through the beach yeah. of the, this guy was running through yeah. the beach and you were filming him along the yeah. way. But I remember actually watching that and getting quite drawn into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that video has had like over a million views. Or yeah, something. yeah. That's a funny story too. So that's yeah. on my personal account on yes. TikTok. And when I first posted that, it got about a hundred thousand views. And I remember thinking, uh, I mean, TikTok's a funny beast. You never truly know how the algorithm works, but, Basically, you post a video, it goes out to a pool of people. Mm. 
based on how they respond to the video, it'll go out to a bigger pool and a bigger uh, pool. So it'll just keep pushing. That's why testing. content's king because yep. if it, it elicits a reaction, people are rewatching, sharing, commenting, um, then it'll go further. And but there's also times where you know it might be stagnant for a few days and then it just goes pops off, you know. And it, we see that a bit as well. But in that case, you know, that yeah. video I end up reposting it, the exact same video on sound a few weeks later, and that's the one that got 1.6 million views. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, to your point, um, I mean that's great feedback. So uh, yeah, it's no, good it's to cool. know that that it is engaging. But yeah, for context, that was like a behind the scenes with a gimbal yes. uh, running through palm trees with my brother yep. and then showing the final shot that was, was yeah, made as yeah. well. So um, so going into your content services for TikTok, mm. um, I think you that's a new area that you're sort of establishing at the moment. Um, are, is that what you're pretty much doing? You're like pretty much producing content for e-com brands? Like yeah. In, on, specifically on TikTok? Specifically yeah. on the yeah. platform. So yeah, we'll build our strategy. Um, we'll actually manage the process too. So mm. we'll do the posting, the replying to comments, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And we will uh, create the content itself. So usually that's either in-house or pairing with other TikTok creators who are already on the platform and know how to create similar stuff. And we sort of... Um, bring them into our team and um, sort of share ideas and then they're actually usually the ones that are producing the content for the most part because they're... Are they, they local, be, local content? Um, for the most creators? part, yeah, but yeah. sometimes it's not. It depends um, who we can source, but um, really having a face to the brand is on TikTok in particular is like super important. We've found, you know, mm. someone who can, you know, see a comment today and respond to it in a video form and, you know, sort of start to become recognised for their face as that brand um yeah okay. so you know we pair them with someone that's um sort of in their demographic so like a, it's just almost like a recognizable yeah. relationship that you have with someone there's yeah. a there's a brand called run gum and mm. i believe they actually started before they even had a product um on tiktok there was this dude you might have seen him where he's in public and he gets people to do like he'll basically go to college campuses and and say hey i'll give you 20 bucks if you beat mm. me in a race and then he'll race these college kids and and another one where he um gives someone five dollars for every um, 10 seconds they can hang on a bar and it's kind of mm. like really entertaining social media videos yeah right. um and i recognized the dude before i even knew that it was a brand that sold uh gum of, of some sort so yeah okay. um, that's probably a great example of where they've used the face so i mean you're seeing some big momentum there and um like you've given us a bit of a rundown in terms of what it's like to manage an account mm. um and are, are people spending more money on advertising in tiktok as, as a result like they're kind of using that content for ads themselves. Yeah, yeah so uh, TikTok ads change a little bit. You probably yeah. do need to make it a little bit more ad-friendly, but in the TikTok style with yeah, text. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've seen, you know, a year ago, people testing TikTok ads, not really seeing a result because it was still a fairly new platform. Um, and now they're sort of circling back, realizing there's an opportunity there because the cost to advertise is significantly lower, but the conversion rate is here or there. It depends on the content, really. Yeah. Um, so we are seeing more people now taking to the platform and advertising. And advertising, yeah. yeah. But it's, I think it's a bit it's a bit of a way to go yeah. in comparison to Facebook. Yeah, and, um, well, yeah, yeah, Facebook's changed so much. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, okay, so like in terms of um, like ROI, do you, are you sort of seeing that? Is it Are you getting results from TikTok, like actual mm. business mm. from that? You sort of yeah, that? I mean from – I can speak to our agency, um, you know, that particular video when that was getting some traction we also had a couple other videos we put up about like how we work and some behind the scenes and stuff and that seemed so we we're getting a lot of traffic they were reading in a bit more familiarizing themselves with us and going through the website 
And at the time, we just updated the website, so the old one's been around for so long. And I don't think the form even worked properly, so they get to the website, they couldn't even book a call, yeah, right, um, okay. which was terrible on my behalf. But we had probably 20 calls booked in overnight. Yeah, um, okay. So just as an example, the sort of scope and, and 10 of those were really qualified brands. And, yeah, wow. Um, you know, generating, most of those brands were sort of seven and figures. And they found, they found you through, through TikTok. Yeah. That's amazing, yeah. yeah. That's cool. um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, at this point, um, I think we spoke about this earlier. Uh, we probably have generated a few hundred thousand for the agency over a while. Um, through just through from those, TikTok yeah. lead generation. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for you moving forward, do you what what what's what's your priority in terms of lead gen strategy for your probably agency? Primarily TikTok. Now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and are you are you sort of taking a step back from Instagram? And um, yeah, so we're still remaining relevant there. Um, yeah. But but you're not like pushing hard on it and like yeah. DMing people and stuff like not that. Not yeah. as much. That's that's also less effective now. That yeah. was like a, a key part of our lead gen early days where we would DM brands and yeah, sort of wow. get in touch that way. And I think now that a lot more creative agencies are out there and um, that's a bit more saturated. But to, you, you can't go wrong with putting content out, putting it in front of people. And if it's good content and they want to consume it, that'll grow mm. that way. So um, Instagram is just a bit, little bit limited from the putting out content part because it doesn't reach many people yeah, these days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, and we'll finish off with like, um, I think you've um, you've got your own e-commerce brand. Mm. Uh, so maybe just tell us a little bit about that and, um, you know, kind of what you've learned a lot yeah. from it. Well, what's yeah. the main sort of lessons you've learned? Yeah, yeah so um, partnered in Naming This Later sort of, it's been a while in the making. So the business is actually called Naming This Later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, it's a funny one. Uh, and it was kind of a joke at first and then we rolled with it and it's it's become a whole thing. But mm. um, yeah, so we technically that kicked off sort of August last year and mm. um, that's that's grown really nicely. But, yep. um, you know, I guess the biggest learning for us was on the creative side again because naturally that's where I sort of thrive. And, um, you know, we went from in our ads, you know, we're running pretty simple kind of iPhone clips. Um, and that was about break even when we launched and then we uh, pumped out some proper shoots with models and went down to the beach and made it all aesthetic. Um, that improved results pretty significantly. Um, but still, you know, we're sitting there like, okay, um, I feel like we could do this better. I feel like there's still, you know, room to test some things. So as an example, our average thumb stop ratio, so that's, um, you know, how many people are watching at least three seconds was like 15%. Um, so 100 people saw the ad about 15 people would actually yeah, watch wow. a few seconds yeah, right. and we established that as the benchmark and then we pumped out started pumping out UGC for the brand a lot of that I filmed myself or, or friends of ours um, and instantly we saw a thumb stop ratio jump to like 30% wow. so we're able to double the attention on our videos of people watching just by switching out and testing some new stuff so um, that's probably been the biggest learning for us is like there was a time there where, where we were like shoot our, our Facebook ads even going to work for us. You know, we'll break in for so long, barely. It weren't really making any money. And yeah, then, and, and it's then it, like that a lot for a lot of brands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. really struggle with like, you know, that 1x or 2x yeah. or, you know, 1.5 yeah. and they can't really get to the 3 and the 5x, yeah. you know. And it's just um, having, you know, having faith that, first of all, you, people want your product. I mean, you, it's the reason you, you bring your certain product to market because you believe in it. You, mm. you probably tested it. Um, and then just pivoting and, and trying something new, failing I think is a really positive thing mm. if it's done in the right way and in the right light and you learn from it, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, especially if you're a brand starting out, like sometimes you need to, even if you're getting 1.5, 2x, it's actually like 
such a good sign because yeah. it means that there's time to build on to that. To improve, you know yeah. I mean, improve. Like, I think that's the best um, case But scenario. I think a lot of clients sometimes get quite down about it because they're not making yeah. a, an immediate ROI. Yeah. Um, but marketing is a long-term investment, right? It's yeah. like something you just keep putting in mm. and then after six months, it, that's when things improve. Mm. Yeah, And so, that's a natural thing too, you know, after six months of having the brand or a year of having the brand naturally there's more word of mouth there's all these other things that come into place so naturally yeah. your your return on any marketing is going to be slightly higher exactly, yeah, um, yeah. and that just comes over time as yeah. well all right man well that's pretty cool um really awesome to have you on the yeah, show it went pretty quick i think so yeah well, i lost <laughs> um, track of time but yeah yeah um please subscribe to our channel and um yeah um look forward to seeing you on our next episode so thanks jake awesome great thanks so much you. guys that was great cheers yeah, yeah. Thank you.